Hi there everybody, the boys are back. And by the boys, I mean Aaron and Brian. Today, on the film aspect, I hope you have your hankies at the ready because we're talking about movies that make us cry. Um, do you cry a lot in movies? Not particularly, no. <laughs> good, good topic then. I know. <laughs> but it's more impactful when I do, so... That's true. It's, this is a real. When this you, this is you, a true deep dive. It's a, <laughs> it's a really good one when Brian squats a tear. It is. <laughs> um, just before we get started, I wanted to rant about something I saw on on Twitter this weekend, right, pertaining to film, which really annoyed me. And spoilers for Godzilla vs Kong. If you if you're not want to hear that, although we had an episode a few weeks ago for that. Uh, but fan, actually, you know what? I don't even need to put say specifics because that would just make me just as bad but i think it was fandom right fandom are a pretty big site on twitter and they're always posting stuff about movies obviously because there's like a film site and then the other day i saw them post this big like the spoiler about godzilla versus kong right just like out in the open in a picture wasn't like you know sometimes a lot of sites will go like what that one thing or like that one surprise appearance really meant and for this film or whatever they'll do that and they'll kind of hint towards it but this like just outright showed it and it had been like literally about a day or two since Godzilla came out and I came across it again the other day and I was just like well why are, you, why are your places just doing that like just po- they're just assuming oh well mate the movie made over 300 million that means everyone that wants to see it has seen it yeah I was just getting raging at that. Like, why why are places allowed to just, like, post spoilers like that? And they think it's all right as well. Because, I mean, what do you think is a reasonable amount of time before you can openly post spoilers about a movie? I would say... If it's released on a Friday, then you wait the weekend. I'd, I'd I, say, like, three days. I disagree days. with that. I think... I think... Well, fair enough it's, if it's wee Jimmy, right? Who's just posting about something on Twitter. He's given it a few days, right? But see if you're like a place that's got thousands and thousands of followers. I, I don't think I don't think you should be openly post like not even you can have a spoiler thing where it's like if you want to discuss the spoil the spoilers, click here, go into this, fair enough. But see if it's just like I'm just scrolling through. And maybe I didn't watch Godzilla vs. Kong the opening weekend and I'm just scrolling through and then up oh, there's a picture of the end of the movie, you know? Yeah. So those people that, who follow those sites, though, I'd, I would argue, uh, will watch it in the opening Yeah, weekend, I mean, though, especially for someone that's a... as anticipated as that. I, I agree, don't, not spoilers for the first few days, but I'd say after after 48 hours, you're taking social media at your own hours. risk, because you don't, you don't need to be on social media. It's, well, it's that's true, I, I guess, I guess. I mean, that, go, that goes with the, when it came to, like, WandaVision every week, it was pretty much like, you know, for us, the the morning of, you would wake up. I I just saw someone post about the the recent Falcon and the Winter Soldier, like an hour yeah. ago, and and that's a UK person Aye, who's just fuck, like get up first thing and watched it. <laughs> so I suppose, but it just it just annoyed me. I thought I don't think that places should be so blatantly posting spoilers like that so close to a movie's release because not everyone can. Maybe maybe you're working that weekend. Maybe you're waiting for payday before you can shell out. 15 16 quid to watch a movie or or maybe you're you're wanting to it's like you're watching it with your family and 
they can't watch it till this day. Everybody's no free to that day. So I just, I, I think it's it annoyed me anyway. So I need, I need him a, a wee rant about it. But that's me, clear of mind, ready for some tears because we're talking about movies that make us cry. And I suppose the best question to start out on is what, what makes you cry, Brian? Not sadness. Not uh, sadness. If, if, if you were to go by the movies that I watched, my <laughs> emotional connection to movies is very different because I usually a special boy. shed a tear. Um, I usually get quite emotional when I'm very excited. I, mm. I, I cry excited tears. I, um, I, mm-hmm. So that's 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 basically where my list is. Almost there is there are some very very sad moments for me um in this list but a lot of it comes down to stuff that is like it's been a build-up and i'm like finally finally this is happening and then mm. my, my face is soaking wet <laughs> with a big smile <laughs> as well yeah so for me i feel like it's 90 percent music that does it for me because yeah. You know, I can cry during an emotional scene, but like music literally can almost do it on its own, even in bits that I don't think, find particularly emotional, like, or like you wouldn't think are emotional. I bet this guy's about to ring my bell. I just saw somebody walk by my window and he was probably going to ring the bell now. But anyway, uh, Justice League, for example, Barry running, you know? At the end of the movie, it gets it's got some really good music at that bit, and I started like welling up, and I just but it's like <laughs> I don't give a shit about Barry, I don't yeah. really give too much of a shit about what's happening, but the music got me there, and that that happens to me all the time. It's it, I think a combination of both slow motion, you know, when they 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 start to to dull out the the audio from like oh I should know the name for this because I've got a bloody degree in film what do you call it like diegetic and non-diegetic yeah. music uh, sound so whatever one's the one where it's in the movie world so say you've got something like avatar right there's the bit where you know all the boys start dying right <laughs> and it's the sad music and it starts to kind of muffle the explosions and the gunshots and you get natiri standing behind the tree and she thinks she's about to die that bit got me just from bit of slow motion whap on some good music and then obviously like for that was an example where I did care, unlike Justice League, but those those are the kind of things that do that that is the kind of the cheap way to get me is is just with music. I think. Do, do you have a do you have a list ready? Do you want to run through a list? I've got a list. Say, I'm uh, I'm gonna let you go first, and we can discuss your picks first. Right, this is this is taking me this is taking me way back. To when I was a wee boy, and the first one in this list is just because of my emotional connection to these movies and when I watched them in my life, it is Rocky Three right. when Mickey dies, when <laughs> Rocky's on top of the world and they face this up and coming club of Lang, and there's a whole story about how Mickey's been. Picking on fights, and then they have a big falling out, and Rocky's overcome through, and he goes out there, and he gets his ass handed to him. And that's sad enough. But while that's happening, Mickey's having a heart attack through in the back, and Rocky gets hammered, and he goes through, and his face is all bloody, and then Mickey just slips away. And I'm like, ah, oh, nah, mate. 
<laughs> I've been on this journey with Rocky and Mick, you know, for two films now. <laughs> we're, we're, we're an hour into, uh, 40 minutes into the third one, and I'm just not ready to see him go. And mm. then he does, and it's just, it's been Rocky's at his lowest. It's the combination of Rock having had it all and it let all the fame and success get to him, and now he's he's fallen as far as he's going to fall. And now he's hitting he's Rocky balls. Oh, uh... uh, I'm going to ignore that pun because it was shite, even <laughs> in the context of this. And I'm quite proud of that. I, <laughs> really? The proud of Rocky Bottom 60 <laughs> years after the films came out. You don't think anybody's come up with that before? <laughs> no. You heard it here first, folks. Um, I don't even think it's the first time I've heard it. So, hi. <laughs> uh, no, that's, a, that's a, I, I'd imagine, a decent part. I can't remember being all that, like... I think I was the most emotional at the first movie because I do, like... I do like it when you get the the kind of the build up to like the say like the fight or something like that. And these are especially I think with the second one because he doesn't win the first, he wins the second, doesn't he? Yeah. But it's like the kind of culmination of like this guy's been through it. This guy's been pushing hard. But um, I'm not gonna lie, I can't. I actually can't remember much about three. Is three the one with T? I was gonna yeah. say T Pain. Club along, Mister T. Club along, Mister T. That's it. Right, T Pain. <laughs> Um, but I, I actually can't. I can't remember much about that one. I watched the. I think I watched them all like in quick succession of each other. I think Rocky Two is probably my favorite. Although I didn't see. I don't think I finished four, and I never watched five or six. All right. <laughs> I think was there. Is four the one there was like a robot or something in it? Yeah. Yeah, I think I stopped watching that one like halfway through, maybe. But um. Oh no! Wait, is four the one where Adonis Creed dies? Apollo Creed, yeah. Is Adonis the guy for Creed? Yeah. Aye. Um, oh, did you see that Sylvester Sloan's not going to be in Creed 3? Yeah, not surprised. Mm. Um, aye, well, that, that's a, I'll, I'll let you away with that one. That's a, that's a good enough reason to, for, for Brian to shed some water out of them eyes. Um, I'm going to... Uh, let me see if I... I've got one right. This is actually a trilogy of movies unrelated trilogy of movies but they all kind of hit me it, there's always like one bit in each of them that just gets me and i don't know why and there's one in the there's one that does it more than the rest and it is this kind of unofficial pete berg mark Wahlberg trilogy of like american patriotic movies and those are deepwater horizon patriot's day and lone survivor and i do not know why but i remember going to see patriot's day and obviously, it's supposed to be quite a sad movie because it's like uh, the the Boston bombings. I think I think that one's the Boston bombings. And uh, just at the end of the movie, uh, I I think I was just I just set myself up the back, bawling away, and I, <laughs> and it was the same for Deepwater Horizon. There's a part, There's just a point where like once my uh, Mark Wahlberg's got back from you know, the whole oil rig thing, and he's in the hotel, and he's just, like, crying with his wife. And I don't, like, I think Mark Wahlberg is a fucking cracking actor sometimes. And just in those wee bits, and then, uh, like, that just really catches me well, and I think there's, there is, like, a kind of weird, it's almost like a false authenticity, which obviously seems like a bit of a <laughs> contradiction, but 
there's his movies are very Hollywood, but they're like a kind of lowbrow Hollywood in a way. Like there is a bit of a kind of ruggedness to to those movies, I think. Uh, and then Lone Survivor is just for that kind of cheesiness of it. But also, I don't know why I went into the movie Lone Survivor and didn't think that he was going to be the only survivor. <laughs> like, <laughs> or actually think that he might die. You know, no, just never, never crossed my mind the whole time. Um, but those movies, it's almost kind of like guilty pleasure. Although I don't know if I'd say Patriot's Day is guilty pleasure because that's obviously like at the end of the movie they start to show like real p- pictures of people because it's based on true events. So like it is, it's supposed to be quite emotional and what I actually really liked about this movie and I think that helped towards it is it isn't, like it doesn't really shy away from from like violence in some points in the movie because there's this there's a bit where there's, there's like a little storyline with like a police officer and there's this guy and uh, he's like trying to get um he's starting like a relationship with this young girl and he's supposed to be meeting her afterwards and then like the the kind of bad guys in this movie just come up and just like shoot him in the face like three times or something like that so they didn't really like just go oh like oh he's dead or like have some it was just like so brutal and like, the guy didn't even know what was happening, really, before it had happened. So, like, things like that, just... I don't know even know why I started in this, because I wasn't... I'd, if you asked me automatically, like, what movies that make you cry, I would never have thought of this immediately. But I went through the entirety of my letterbox just to see if there was the ones that jumped out to me. Um, so, do you, have a, do you have another pick? Yeah, I have. Also, what, what, what do, you, do, you, do you think they're a decent... <laughs> Um, they're quite unmemorable for me. I've seen Lone Survivor <laughs> and Deepwater Horizon once, and vaguely remember what they're about, but I can't remember any specifics about. You seen Patriots Day? Uh, nah. You should actually watch Patriots Day. It's the best of the of the three of them. Oh, is it? I think I've seen it a, a few times, and there's just you know you gotta love Mark Wal- Wahlberg playing the everyday man, <laughs> and just. <laughs> you know he, he's got the banter he hits it with the banter slagging the lads and then uh, but then he's not afraid to you know get a wee bit sad crying a shower or something like that yeah but I, I, can, I, I I suppose I might I might watch it eventually one of these days <laughs> stick it on my list uh, see when it's five year anniversary so I can make it an episode <laughs> <laughs> maybe right it was your next one I have these are these are not films that make me cry for the next couple. These are films that have at some point in my life because there's there's I'm gonna go through basically I'll do what you did there because they're, they're in the same series mm-hmm. and um it's at different points and these are like childhood favorite films of mine. So I've got a deeply personal connection to this character and mm-hmm. these characters and it is. Rocky Four, <laughs> when when Apollo Creed does die, I remember. I, I can't remember when, but I do remember shedding a tear to that because he thinks he's he's hot shit. He thinks he's still the Apollo Creed of Rocky One and Rocky Two, and Rocky's trying to turn them against it, and he's like, "Nah, I don't want to fight this guy. This guy's you know he's he's the Russian tank or whatever whatever his his nickname was. I can't quite remember." And then Apollo Creed just goes and gets done in. And it's a very sad because um his trainer's shouting at him and spitting and sweating to to throw the damn towel and Rocky's not gonna do it because he promised Apollo he wasn't gonna throw the towel. And then it all just um Apollo dies in the ring. 
And I remember it being very emotional. It depends when you watch these movies because Rocky Three and Rocky Four are action movies. They're not. They're not like sports dramas. Rocky Three is when the tide turns, but they still they still pack an emotional punch. Mm-hmm. The next one is Rocky Five, when <laughs> <laughs> he's fighting Tommy the Machine Gun in a street fight outside, and uh, he, he big rocks getting done in as well. And then he's done in the gun. Had to retire because he's he's got brain damage at the end of Rocky Four, beginning of Rocky Five. So he goes back to the streets, and that's where he's you know in these wee house because he lost all his money. Because I think Polly like lost all his money for him. He's training he, Tommy the machine gun. Is he still bouncing his wee ball? I think his ball comes back in five I and I returns into a trainer. And then there's this bit at the end where Rocky's getting done out and he sees this kind of uh, he heals Mickey. Talking to him, and he's like, "Get up!" <laughs> uh, and it's just, it's, 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 I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. And then that's when the famous lady goes, uh, "You told me I didn't hear no bell." And I'm like, ah, that's it, that's it. Fight's not over. Here we go. Rock's gonna knock <laughs> fuck him. <laughs> and then the last one is Rocky Balboa. <laughs> Whoa, what? <laughs> okay, it's just, it's just gonna he's, be Brian gets sad at the Rocky franchise. Uh, it just shows you the depth of these in the range of these movies. It's when Rock sees his son, sees it's Michael, I think, and then he does the whole uh, "Don't let life get you down." And you know about how many times you get down is about how many times you get back up. That's how winning is done. And Sly gets properly into it. And I was getting fucking goosebumps and there was tears streaming down my face and everyone was like, "Yeah, Sly, that's right, that's Rocky Balboa." <laughs> Because that was like 16 years after uh, Rocky V came out that Rocky Balboa came out. So it was, mm. it was a whole whirlwind of emotions of the characters coming back to you. So yeah, Rocky 3, 4, 5 and 6. Those are my first movies. <laughs> so did you, get, did you get upset at all by the, the Creed films? Nah. See, those, those are the kind of... So I don't really have like the emotional connection with, Rocky, with the Rocky movies. But like watching the... Creed films, that's what I'm talking about when I say like the kind of, you know, I think there was a bit in Rocky or Creed 2 where um, Adonis gets his rib broken, if I remember right, in the final fight, it's where Ivan Drago's son, and uh, it's just, there's just these bits where he's just like trying to psych himself up to get back up, I can't even remember the specifics of it, I remember that moment though being like really sad, but that's, see when it comes to those kind of like sport type movies where it's like facing adversity you have to like power through and all this like those movies just are like easy ones to get me but for not for like a a memorable cry like a like a it's almost like a cheap cry like a (laughs) oh man i just that's a that's a shame for the guy i really want him to win like that kind of thing um but maybe maybe i've always liked the idea of rocky balboa i've never seen it like i've got it i own it but like I never made it. <laughs> I yeah. think it got to the point I was like, I watched them all for Creed Two, and then Creed Two came out before I finished them. So then I just watched Creed Two, and then that was that was me. Yeah, um, three and four are action like eighties action movies. Five mm. and more so Balboa return to the sort of spirit of the first two movies, mm. where it's it's less kind of like campy action, baby oil sort of thing. Uh, glistening in lights so uh, Five gets a lot of shit as being the worst one I really like Five and I really mm. like Balboa as well Um, I've got I'm going to throw out one here that I know probably both of us would have been quite upset at and it was uh, Three Billboards in Evan, Missouri oh 
You didn't even think of that one. I didn't even think of that one. That that one was like I think there was maybe it was like I went to see that with some of my family, so there was like six of us or something like that, and I think all of us were just sitting there greeting after the after there's a sheriff. The whole scene with the sheriff and then the bit that that ended me was just the wee dickhead Sam Rockwell when he when he finds out uh, in the police station and it's making me I'm getting I'm getting goosebumps right now. It make me want to watch it again. But it's just because he's such a little arsehole, but then you realise how much the sheriff meant to him and then he's sitting greeting in the in the bathroom. Oh mate. I was done. I was done after that point. It's one of those movies where I'll say like, mate, that's five stars. I love that. Or I think I maybe gave it four and a half. But like, I love that movie. But I've literally only seen it that one time in the cinema. But I'll still remember it really vividly. So I quite liked it. I might, I might get a watch. No, but I can't get a watch this week. I get too much. <laughs> too many things to watch in it for the next couple of episodes. So it'd be nice to at some point, once the dust is settled with the Oscars and that, to yeah. <laughs> come back to this. Yeah, did you? That's you, true. Yeah, you, uh, you liked that one. You you done it. I, I, I know you liked the movie. I no, I liked the movie a lot, but I didn't cry at it. Uh, heartless, heartless. I know. I can't I don't, believe that. I, I don't. I don't really cry at emotional scenes. Uh, uh nah, cause just about to. Well, after everything I said about Rocky with all those emotional scenes, apart from those ones, I don't really cry at uh, emotional scenes. <laughs> but I, I get, I get what you're saying. It was sad looking at the. The most devastating bit in that film for me was when he gets, you know, his arse handed to him and he scrapes off the skin and then he finds out that guy's not the guy who killed um, mm. Thingy's daughter. Oh, like he thinks That's, he's finally done aye, like, some good work aye. and then it's... And just his whole demeanour, it, it just kind of drops, but he's trying to put on like a, kinda a brave face and that's just, that was the most kind of impactful moment for me in that movie. I liked, uh, the, well I didn't like, this was one of the things I heard, <laughs> I, I've spoken about how much I hate this as well, it's when, I, when that bit happened with that movie and you have uh, Francis McDormand and Sam Rockwell heading off to essentially like kill the guy but they don't actually know if they will but they kind of want to and uh, somebody then went, oh well I wonder what the second one will be coming. <laughs> 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 like I want to see what happens and I was like, <laughs> no. We we talking about idiots, man. But um, yeah, that was that was a good one. Um, to keep it to quickly chuck on another sports one, Warrior with Joel Edgerton and uh, Tom Hardy. That is a cracker. That is super super emotional towards the end because you have two brothers facing off in an an MMA fight. I think it's MMA. See, I I wrote um. I wrote a walk culture article in one of the one of the articles included this one of the entries included this film and I remember in the comments because you always get the comments in those articles been like this guy's clearly never seen this movie or he's never done any of this or that and people were saying like I can't I, maybe I described it as a boxing movie I think I think there's a possibility <laughs> I described it as a boxing movie and somebody's like well this guy's clearly never seen this because it's a, it's actually an MMA so <laughs> this MMA to all those guys out there who've who've followed my career just to to watch me slip up one more time uh, the MMA fighting movie Warrior is is excellent because you've got two guys in a in a competition between one another that's like they're both in it for two very different reasons but they both essentially need the money like they need to win the money for this and then it comes to obviously when you have two brothers 
fight in a competition. Obviously, it's going to end with the two of them in the finale. And it it was, it's just so, so emotional because for one, you don't know like which one's going to go for it. Like you've learned so much about the dynamics of where they are as a, as like in their relationship as brothers have had this whole thing where Nick Nolte, it kills it as the, the like alcoholic dad and that. And then just that whole last scene, you start, you're just in a kind of knife's edge of like, you don't really know who you want to win. And then when one starts winning, you're like, oh no, for the other one, but happy for the one that's winning. And it's just, it's so, it's so much. Plus, I love a bit of like, I love uh, stuff with like relationships between like brothers and fathers and sons and stuff like that. I, I just like that, that's like some live wire shit for me right there. And I don't, I don't even know why, but like it is. I just always find that stuff really, really sad. Um, and to, to, to follow into the ultimate sad dad movie was uh, <laughs> th- that isn't even the ultimate sad dad movie because I think it, when I said that it made me think of Ad Astra but I didn't agree to Ad Astra uh, it was actually about time which I'm sure I must have mentioned in this it's not even a sad dad movie it's actually a rom-com with some time stuff in it right and that's pretty fun and it's it's just stupid fun uh, you know, like, oh, he's messed up on a date, so he goes back again, and he, like, he kind of learns what to say and stuff like that, and it's just, it's just kind of quirky, like, I think it's Richard Curtis. And then just towards the end, they introduce some, like, kind of weird, kind of bullshit rules and regulations about what they can and can't do with the time travel, but then it ultimately ends in this bit where the cat, the, uh, Donald Gleeson has to choose between his dad, who's played by Bill Nye, and his, like, future children who um, with Rachel McAdams. And it's fucking heartbreaking and comes out of nowhere. <laughs> but it just, I think that's part of the reason, because when I watched this, it was like, let's just chuck on a stupid rom-com. And I love a bit, I like a bit of time stuff, so I'll be happy as well. Even though I, like, I do like rom-coms. And then... Just all of a sudden, right at like, you just get fucking decked by this madly emotional bit towards the end. And this that is probably the most I've ever cried at a movie is watching that film. Not only to that point, but I actually was like sad for for a good few days afterwards. And I actually I remember I went home and then my dad came up to speak to me and I was just like, Hi man, I go and I just walked into the toilet and I was sitting there like <laughs> I just put my hands to my head there. I realized audio format and all that, but like sitting there, like no, I can't come out here, mate. Why am I? Why am I still greeting about this stupid Richard Curtis rom com? Just know the guy that done fucking Love Actually. I don't know. Got no idea. I've never seen it. Uh, about the time that is, I've seen Love Brent, Actually. Four four weddings and a funeral. Right. done. Same nice. thing, really, isn't it? Oh no, he did do Love Actually. Four Weddings and a Funeral is not the same thing as Love Actually, because Love Actually is dog shit. But my boy Curtis done a good one with About Time, I must say. Um, do you have like an ultimate big hitter though? Do you have a movie that you would go to knowing that you would be like, cry every time? That's oh, one of the Rocky movies. I do. I have... <laughs> Rocky 1. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I didn't cry in the first two Rocky movies. Or any of the Creed movies. Uh, I've got... Uh, there's 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 bits in films that always get me just because I've become so overwhelmed with excitement. Uh, 
And one of those is that it happened the first time I saw it in the movie theater, and it happens every time I watch it since. And that is when, um, Thor becomes worthy again in the first Thor movie. <laughs> really? See when he's lying there, <laughs> dead, because he's been through the ringer, and he's uh, he's he's given up basically his life to protect all those people. And then it cuts back to the the close up of Odin speaking to Mjolnir if uh, he whoever be worthy uh, shall resist the power of Thor. And then it comes crashing down from where it's been stuck in the ground, and then Thor sticks his hand up, and it's like all oh, the kind of um, the armored sleeve, and he catches me on there, and he becomes worthy again, he becomes Thor. I was, I was so excited. I'm getting fucking goosebumps talking about it. A tear streamed <laughs> in my face. I was so happy. Um, that was when Thor was one of my favorite characters in the MCU, mm. and I just, I fucking, I love. I think it's just such a good yes. Heals the hero of the movie scene, uh, and I love it. Love it See, so much. I could kind of get behind that, but way later. Not for Thor, because I didn't like Thor one. I still don't really. I think it is a bang average movie. But the it was it was the kind of crowd pleasing moment. See, like saying like Avengers Endgame, you have like. When Cap picks up Mjolnir, or when he finally says like Avengers Assembled, those are the kind of like the exciting moments for me that I can kind of get like that at. Where I'm like, yeah. I should be like pure buzzing. Why am I greeting right now? <laughs> <laughs> well, those are those are uh, those those three specific moments in Endgame that had me uh, very very teary with excitement. And it is when Cap finally wheels Mjolnir. Aye. It's a uh, Oh, I could get it going now because I, I was up until full this morning watching Endgame because I thought about it. And I was like, I need to watch this movie, and uh, that's when, why you were up to full. <laughs> it's when Steve Rogers, fucking Captain America, is his broken shield and he straps it on, oh, and he's going to have his last stand against Thanos. He doesn't know anybody's coming. It's just him against aye. Thanos's army because that's what fucking Steve Rogers would do. And I was like, oh my god! And then and then when he heals. Uh, on your left when he heals uh, Sam mm. that just fucking floored me I was that was me in tears for the rest of the film see weirdly like I, I can't I that bit doesn't actually do so much see when it says like you're on your left and then like I didn't like the music in that oh. bit. as I say 90% music for me the music with the, the trumpet just yeah. kind of didn't they date for me and then uh, but they, like after the point with the uh, when he gets the hammer, and then eventually, when when uh, Iron Man finally makes his sacrifice, that that is the point where I'm like, I'm greeting for the rest of the movie. Oh, I never, I never cried at that. That Iron I Man, the the one bit that the, the bit that always kind of nearly spoils it for me is the fact that like, so you get Peter Parker coming up and he's all sad and stuff. I think they overplay it a little bit with him, and then also it's the fact that Pepper has to go like, oh, you're all right, so I move aside. It's, like, it's, it's her fucking husband. <laughs> <laughs> or like soon to be husband is like you're just some kid that's known him for like the last year yeah. like according to him you know like <laughs> this person has been lifelong friends with him and, and you're hogging this the the limelight just because the fandoms dictate that peter parker and that uh tony stark are like a, a good duo yeah. to have on screen but um nah i didn't nah I, no, I, 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 i'm not I'm, i mean iron man's good and i understand what he did for the but I'm I'm firmly in in Team Captain America because oh, yeah. just in the I, Infinity Saga, it's the only other time 
I shed tears and will do forever is the excitement I felt with uh, Steve Rogers' entrance in Infinity War and Edinburgh train station. You love that bit. Oh my god, that's because I was thinking about this last night and I've always known it. And I think Steve Rogers slash Captain America, if I don't think, I know, that's my favourite fictional character across anything <laughs> wow i fucking <laughs> love the character of steve rogers because I've, I've read a bunch of the 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 novels and the comics and i've obviously seen all of the films and mm. i just i fucking love that guy and i think chris evans is perfect it's mm. just it's just so perfectly cast and every time he's on screen i just screen i just got a big fucking smile on my face and uh <laughs> see what the, just just the fact that they played the avengers theme when he catches the spear and then uh, walks it from the shadows a, i was like it's a cool it's a cool done. moment that's, but i've heard oh, you man. going about that all the time that is but, the um, best moment in infinity war i don't care what this is see what i liked about um tony tony stark's death because like i was i was always I actually I preferred the Captain America movies, and I was always uh always liked uh Captain America better. But then Iron Man for me started see when he started to turn into this sort of like with with him in Infinity War and then Endgame, like he turned into this kind of tortured soul, where it was like obviously they started it with Avengers one because he was having like or sorry Avengers th- uh, Iron Man 3 when he started to get like PTSD and all this kind of stuff and I really liked that when it was like slowly but surely the whole playboy lifestyle that he was having was just chipping away and it, it was and then when you come to the end of Endgame he's essentially somebody that's like utterly obsessed with like this whole idea of like protecting because he's like he's willing to just like you know like he just gets on a ship even though you know Pepper's he's supposed to be like out of the game with pepper or whatever and then obviously like when he comes back considering like he knows he's got like a family uh he's got a daughter now and he's finally happy with pepper and then and then just for him to then be the one that actually does the ultimate sacrifice and i saw a post the other day about how like at the in avengers you know like steve rogers said to him like you're not the one to lay your life down on the line for for others but then like he is the one that does that and i just i just fucking loved it because he's like it's kind of like when he realizes that moment he looks over to Stephen strange and he does like the one it's kind of like doesn't matter everything he's been trying to avoid it doesn't matter because this is the moment he has to take it and i love that that's what makes it so sad for me because he's he's he wasn't the person to do something like that but then by the end of endgame he actually is that's oh man, it's amazing. <laughs> I just I lo- like I love it when you have somebody that kind of contradicts their original characteristics because Steve Rogers was always someone that would that would sacrifice himself, and I think that's why they were really smart to make Iron Man the one to do it because I think Steve Rogers just wasn't wouldn't have been quite the same. It would have been yeah. emotional still, but I don't think it would have been quite the same because you always be like, that's a cap thing to do. It's all from day one. Yeah. That's been a cap thing to do. I think it's because um, Steve didn't as much didn't have as much to lose as Tony did. Yeah, that's, that that's, as well. Steve's always been a bit of a loner when it came yeah. to like, aye, aye, that's true. Aye, because then like, out of all of the Avengers, it was probably well, not all of the Avengers, but like Tony, they kind of highlighted the fact that he did have some of them have like kids, and obviously like, you have. Clint try to be like a pure hard ass with yeah. his mullet haircut and st- <laughs> I think and the people when when they killed off uh, Black Widow 
I think people were kind of subconsciously thinking that that's the only sort of personal tie Steve has to the group. So yeah, I mean, it, it, I think everybody. The good thing about that was it was a twist because ev- everybody expected Captain America to die. I remember in Infinity War, people thought Captain yeah. America was going to die in Infinity War. I thought then, it was. I thought Iron Man was going to go at the end. Of, I was surprised when they let him survive at the end of that movie. Yeah, because um, I was kind of expecting that when he when he finally was faced in those bits as well, like bits in Infinity War, when it's like he's just going up against this guy, even though he knows he's probably like he can only hold out for so long, like there's only so much he can do, and he's just like it's when he's like shielding against him, but then like his his suit's starting to creep up his leg because it's running out and all this. Ah, oh, mate, amazing! <laughs> I'm actually gonna end up watching these fucking movies again. I only watched them like a few like uh... two months ago. But, Can uh, I just say as well how there's 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 a few instances, only been a few instances since the original sort of Avengers where Marvel have cast the characters perfectly, like absolute to a T. And I think, as much as I'm not a huge fan of his, Benedict Cumberbatch is tremendous as Doctor Strange, just as the whole aesthetic and just mm. as the way he embodies the character. But nobody else. It came back to me last night, obviously since he's passing, but. Chadwick Boseman was just just was like mm. Black Panther. Just was uh, T'Challa Adam, because mm-hmm. he's he's one of those guys where he could throw somebody into the role and he would be cool about it. But there's something very regal about the way Chadwick Boseman carried himself as T'Challa, mm. which I don't I think is gonna be very hard to emulate. Well I, I wonder I wonder if that'll be to keep it on a kinda emotional connection between these movies like I wonder how they're going to manage to play this off because I've now announced that they're not going to use CGI. He's just... I think it's just going to be that he's just not going to be in it. Yeah. So I'm really wondering how... It must be a really difficult position for them to be in to not only like somehow explain away story-wise like how he's going to be, but also have... I think they're going to have to play it emotionally because I think they're going to be... It's going to have to be done in a way that, that kind of like a Paul Walker thing, yeah. like Fast 7. How do you do that where you, you, you have a guy that's died and you give him a, you, you have to work in a, a, a send-off that you haven't been able to film, you haven't really been able to plan and now you have to work into, into the story. Um, I'm, so, I'm fearful they're going to fuck it like the dead with Princess Leia. And I said, before it even happened, I was like, they need to open the Rise of Skywalker with Leia Organa's funeral. That's what they need to do because Carrie Fisher's dead and give her like an on-screen kind of goodbye. Was... That's what they need. Mm. That, I just feel like that is the best move to go with T'Challa. You just just open it, just rip the bandage off, you know, rip the plaster mm. off, open it with his funeral and then give people a kind of a way to get over the demise of the actor as well as the character. That that was a completely missed moment for me to, to go into that Star Wars bit, bit because obviously you go into the movie knowing that Carrie Fisher's died into The Last Jedi and when she you see when they blow up the ship and she's I know. she's sucked out I, I remember at the time thinking fuck that's that's impactful if this is how they send her off like that's a fucking statement like fair enough and then the fact that they brought her back and then it was just kind of like oh well she's not really going to do anything now because obviously like she we didn't get to film this stuff and that that was just it just felt like such a shame i don't know if it was because i was so aware of it but then like I just was like, I'm pretty sure that line was in this movie or like, this is a rework and it looks kind of funny the way it's been done and all that. Yeah. So, 
Aye, that that was a kind of missed a missed opportunity for me. But to get back to to some more, I'm gonna I'm just gonna list off the rest of mine that I've um uh I've got here in my list. Um, if you if you want to Aye, comment on that. any, uh, I've got the Green Mile, which is a bit of an obvious one. Aye. Did you agree that? No, not really. Nah. Oh, that was a that was a, that was one of the first like adult movies that I kind of or like grown up movies that I kind of had a had a wee greet at. I've got War for the Planet of the Apes, my boy Caesar. Uh, <laughs> it's, I love the good combination of a big story, you know, the big arc, and watching those movies like one, two, and three into the final bit where he finally sees his people. It's almost like the the fatal blow has been made, and he he holds it long enough to see his people to where like their their kind of dream land that they've been trying to get to all this tennis safe haven and then he just sitting at the top there was almost something like biblical about it kind of christ like this savior like dying on the top of the hill and i just i love the way it was played off and andy circus is fucking phenomenal in that role so war for the planet the apes done it for me uh your favorite la la land i don't know if i outright cried i think it made me upset the ending of that movie because I liked that it wasn't like your typical we get together rom- romance. I think if it ended that way, I would have probably never watched that movie again. But I liked that it just went, well, here's been our conflict and we actually never got to work it out. Like we got what we want, what we wanted, but we didn't get to be with each other. And I actually really liked that. Um, we've got Peter Jackson's King Kong. Mate. That was a that was an early days in the cinema. Greeting my eyes up because when he was sitting <laughs> looking at her on the Empire State Building and he just slips away. That was mate, that was hard hitting. Uh me, Earl and the Dying Girl, because I'm an idiot for um well, it, it's like a quirky comedy thing. Olivia Cook is the dying girl, and then she uh so she's got cancer in the movie and it's all about the guys like basically making a friend out of someone that's been ill and all this kind of stuff and they make movies and then <laughs> at the beginning of the movie they're like oh yeah if you think spoilers for this movie but like they say something along the lines of oh i know you'll be thinking that because he talks to the audience quite a lot he's like i know you'll be thinking that this is going to end in her death don't worry it's not that kind of story but then it fucking does <laughs> and he goes i know i said earlier but what did you expect and I don't know why, because I'm such a fucking gullible bastard, I w- <laughs> listened to that and I was like, oh, well, she's not going to die then. And it was like, when it happens, I was like, wait, what? You said it wasn't going to happen. So I was, I was really upset with that. Um, this gets me all the time. Man of Steel in multiple occasions, both for the emotional and the excitement. When Pa Kent takes, takes the L for the, for the team in the tornado, that gets me all the time because I think, uh, I always forget his name, Kevin Costner, I, I think he... Just, just something about him in that role that I really liked. Oh, not just that scene. The bit where he says, can't I just keep pretending that you're my son? He goes, you are my son. That bit gets me every single time. Uh, then when finally Kal-El has someone that he can actually punch when they, when they like are attacking his mother and he just fucking takes away. That bit makes me emotional because it's been such a build-up. I appreciate a good build-up. And he finally, you know, his whole life's been holding back and not being able to hit the people that have been doing him wrong. And then here's someone that can finally take a punch without being splattered to pieces. So, mate, I love that. Man of Steel always gets me. Um, I can't remember specifically what I cried about this, but The Place Beyond the Pines. 
Do you remember oh, that? Right. Bradley yeah. Cooper, Ryan Gosling, Eva yeah, Mendes. Yeah. Good one. Uh, I Am Legend, the dog scene, obviously. I've got that as well in my list. That, <laughs> mate, I, I was really into I Am Legend when it first came out. I actually wasn't allowed to see it at the cinema. I was too young at the time. So I didn't get to see it at the cinema. And then it just it just seemed so up my street. I was a big Will Smith fan. Loved a bit of a post-apocalypse. And then it was just so like emotional. And I, this was at the time when I was looking for more like mature movies. And this was like a mature like post-apocalyptic movie. And And sadly though, when I went on to read the book, I was like, that's a rubbish movie in comparison to the book. Because it's a short movie and it's fantastic, like really, really good. But that dog scene, I mean, you can't even really no get upset at dogs getting hurt or whatever. But it's I just know. the fact that they had such an emotional anchor with him and this dog. That was actually how I ended up getting a dog after that movie. So I was like, I want a dog. <laughs> I want a fucking dog to cry over when I choke it out. <laughs> but that that bit hits hard. That's really... That's really sad. That and you kind of, I think I spent a lot of the movie after that. You kind of think, well, what's he got to live for now? Because he, so much of his existence hinged on the on this dog, like his friend, someone to look after and take out and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, I've got two two more. Oh no, just uh, aye, two more. Three ten to Yuma, when old Christian Bale takes the bullet. Right. That that felt that was that was sad for me because it just felt like he'd come so far and he was just there. He was just there. And then old Ben Foster comes up and kills him <laughs> right in the train. And then the fact that Russell Crowe gets on the train for him as well. That that was quite sad. Um, and then this one, you ha- it's got multiple moments. It's a classic. You have to expect it. Lord of the Rings. There's nothing much <laughs> else to say. I just, I just, I just cry at Lord of the Rings. All the time. The Rahirum charge. It's a lot of it's to do with Return of the King. The Rahirum charge and the last half hour. <laughs> just, <laughs> just the whole last half hour really does it. Don't, do you not get that with Lord of the Rings? No, I don't. I, no? No, I don't, get, uh, I don't get weepy with the Lord of the Rings, I'm afraid. Mm. No, no. When, when, when he says, like, my friends, you bow to no one. I'm just, yeah. I'm done for that moment onwards. And I think it depends on how I'm feeling with like the carrying them up Mount Doom. Like that bit can hit me depending on my kind of mood. But yeah, Lord of the Rings is an all-time classic when it comes to that. And I think that's a lot to do with the fact I have been watching those movies since I was four years old. So like, I just... Yeah. Well, I say the, obviously the first movie came out when I was about four. Um... It hits different but, when you have a childhood connection to a movie, though. Yeah. It hits different. Mm. That's, Aye, that's... Well, that, that's like... I had said before, whenever it was, we were talking about it recently, but, like, that is one of my all-time comfort movies. Just sit down, transport it to this nice fantasy setting, good versus evil, bit of action, bit of... I'm not, I've never been too fussed with, like, the love stuff. And Lord of the Rings, yeah, like Arwen and Aragorn, Aragorn, or um, <laughs> Eowyn. You know, like that stuff's never really, never really fancied that too much. And then, but then, it's just, it's just good. Again, tales of adversity. Yeah, you see, you see the wee man standing up against the big man. 
Do you have uh, Do you have any more? Yeah, I do. I've got I've got three or four more. Um, right, go I'm going to stick in the MCU for the moment, back where it was still oh. my MCU. I've got one oh. more, and it's from uh, Captain America: The Winter Soldier. Oh. It's when uh, in in the last fight, oh, and right. Steve says, "I'm with you to the end of the line." Oh yeah, uh, that's the line. That's the <laughs> one that gets me because it doesn't. It doesn't. Why we fighting Bucky? Just do why we doing it. But Bucky doesn't know any different, and it's just oh, yeah. That's what sort of brings him back, and I just that died. That's that took t- took me right back to when Steve was still skinny, Steve, and you know, mm. Bucky's there at his parents. He's I think it's just his mum's funeral. So I that that line it just because I wasn't I don't know why, but I wasn't expecting it in that context of them being at the end, and it just it just it was like a a dagger in my side. Yeah, I I kind of got this similar reaction to in Civil War, where it was kind of like. He he was getting absolutely battered by Iron Man and Tony Stark, but he just kept going. Yeah. I really, I really. That is probably the most emotional before Endgame for me with Civil War, because it was the one where it felt like there was kind of the most stakes. It, at some points, I didn't like other elements of it, like the characters quipping to one another while they're trying to batter each other. I didn't like yeah, that, but no. but like there was other points of it that did kind of go through. So what? Uh, the next one is is excitement to the max. This is when it turned oh. up to eleven, and this is just a oh my god! I can't believe it. This is a culmination of visual effects, story, and mostly music, and it is the docking scene in Interstellar. Oh. See when uh, it's just the, the music comes yeah. on through the organ, and then you see the visuals of the when the, the, the ships obviously it's rotating oh, yeah. to, you know to match what? the yeah, speed a, mm-hmm. I, I was just I'm getting I'm, yeah. like I'm literally just spot. got something <laughs> <laughs> it's just such a perfect perfect scene it's the best sequence yeah. in that entire movie and I, I was watching I saw well. that uh, IMAX opening weekend and I'm like my eyes were as wide as they could possibly be. Like my mouth was hanging up and everything. Tears were streaming in my face, covered in goosebumps because I was so excited. And I was yeah. like, "This film is amazing." I was like, "This is the best film I've ever seen." And then, <laughs> I was. I was just. It was just such a such a fucking good sequence. And then uh, <laughs> the next bit. I've spoken about this before. I think this is my last one actually. And it's not. It's not a movie that made me cry per se, but it does relate to movies. It's when. Um, everything's against them in the Mandalorian at the very end and you see that one X-Wing come in and I'm like wait a oh, minute wait a minute <laughs> and then the music hits and then the, the you know the black cloak over the face and you see the green lightsaber I'm like no fucking way no fucking there's only one fucking person who that can be and uh, it takes it I can't remember what the big droids are called but they had um, absolutely fucked up the Mandalorian earlier, just one of them is a big, a big army, so there's only one person who that can be. Only one person strong enough to take out all those all those droids. Yeah. And there he was, Hudaf, Luke Skywalker. So I was I was ended. That is that's I <laughs> cannot even describe how happy I was to see that and how dehydrated I was after that sequence (laughs) I watched it, I kid you not it must have been 15 times in a row just that sequence because it was so fucking emotional and so satisfying to see you know the most powerful Jedi back to save Grogu by fucking everybody up (laughs) in only the way Luke Skywalker can do Um, 
I, I think um, I to to quickly chuck in a couple of television suggestions. I think Breaking Bad kind of done that for me on the Aussie Mandius episode. I don't know if you you watched Breaking Bad. I haven't watched it since it was on TV. But like, do they, do, I don't. I, don't I, I can't even remember <laughs> specifics of but it. It was uh, basically Hank's death. Oh right, right, right. Yeah. That episode for me because it was so tense. The whole thing tension 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 building up and then eventually it was just the point where um you're sitting there and he's saying he's pleading with hank to just say i'll not tell anyone and then hank said turns to him and says something like you you know for the smartest guy in the room you're too stupid to realize that he made up his mind 10 minutes ago and and it's the fact that you know that the guy's gonna do it, you know that Hank would never get avenged because the kind of character he's been, what he's been through, and it's the fact that after everything, this guy, you know, he had like his PTSD when he went down to Juarez or whatever it was, or down to the the Mexico border, and then he, he he's like he was shot and he had to go through all of that where he was like handicapped and he just he he was struggling to kind of deal with that and he was constantly trying to act like he was completely fine in front of everyone when he wasn't, and then to finally almost have like his moment of redemption and then just shot in the head that killed me i remember like i was i was like pure shouting at the telly pure tears streaming like shaking because <laughs> it's so intense as well that i fucking loved i'm trying to see if i can think if there's anything else mr robot done it pretty big for me uh, the end of mr robot i really like that also lost <laughs> like <I've, laughs> the, there's a there's like a little compilation in lost where it's kind of like, uh, almost like that they're supposed to be like, oh, here's all the characters and their moments together and like, whatever the fuck it is that happened at the end of that show. I can't remember. It's like afterlife stuff or whatever. But that, like, it's a kind of guilty pleasure TV show. I've actually watched it twice now where it's like, yeah, it's kind of rubbish and it, it's a bit hammy with the mystery. But like, I actually did like the characters come the end of the, uh, come the end of it. And Game of Thrones, scoring off its last season, has some moments in it, I think, um, that are pretty, pretty emotional. I don't know if I ever outright <laughs> cried at it, mm. but there's there's some stuff in there that did that that did maybe get me close, maybe slightly wetted my eye. Yeah, I'd <laughs> I say that's the right grammatical <laughs> use of that. <laughs> I I can't believe I forgot about, um. Big Bradley Cooper giving it all up in a star is born. Oh mate, that. that I can't believe I forgot about that. That whole just with the flashing lights and you know what's happened even though you don't need to see it. Yeah. Oh, I'm just that. having a quick look at my Blu-ray collection there just in case I'm forgetting. <laughs> yeah, but Bradley Cooper, that that was. I actually saw that I got added to Netflix the other day. Oh, did and it? I was, th- I was thinking about rewatching it because it just it showed the scene where like he first meets, um, I forget her name in it. Ali, Ali, like the first yeah. the first time he meets her, and I was just I was like, man, he's so good, she's so good. It's just I, I just I just fucking love that movie. Yeah, I'm not. I can't think of any other ones that have that have made me very weepy. I've got one more: the Cat in the Hat. Right, because it was so shite. I don't know why. <laughs> but I remember when I was younger, there was a bit where he's like, he's trying to help, and the two kids go, no, get out, or whatever. And he's like, he goes to save 
but like to help them and they pure scream get out and his wee tail goes down and I remember at the time you're like fucking why they say that to the cat <laughs> why would he's just trying to help <laughs> but I, I that was <laughs> that's a, that's a, one of the the OGs that made me cry <laughs> but um, I, I mean there's probably a gazillion of these that I've forgotten because obviously like I forgot about Stars Born there um, there's probably a lot more I'm actually going to do a quick look at um movies that make us cry lists and see see if there's any there titanic did you cry titanic no not particularly um i've got the 38 movies guaranteed to make you cry every time forrest gump didn't cry blue valentine didn't cry call me by your name didn't cry the hours i've never seen it portrait of a lady on fire i've heard it's very good i've not seen it though my sister's keeper you seen that one cameron Uh, i think so Um, p.s i love you uh, nah, when didn't when they make Gerard Butler Irish, I think. I Irish. Aye. <laughs> I spent so much time. I was like, what are they doing? What like, what is this? Uh, the spectacular now? No. No. Nope. Never seen that. Uh The Pursuit of Happiness. That is a sad one. That's I've a never sad seen one. I'll, g- I'll give it that. Um A Walk to Remember. No. Nope. Uh, Goodwill Hunting. I did think oh. about that, but I don't think I cried. I don't remember at it. it being like sad, sad. I don't remember being like really upset by it. Um, one true thing. Don't know about that. Uh, inside out, Bing Bong. <laughs> no, do you get sad at Bing Bong going? No. Um, <laughs> Toy Story three, the garbage shoot bit. That was actually pretty sad. Whether the fire, the garbage disposal thing with the fire. Yeah. That that was pretty sad. Uh, beaches I've never seen The Notebook I hate with every fibre of my being <laughs> so I'm going to say no uh, Brokeback Mountain that was pretty sad I don't think I cried but that was a pretty sad movie um, Mr. Holland Opus never heard of it The Joy Luck Club Step Mum Titanic again The Lion King did you cry mm, at no. uh, old um, Mufasa. Mufasa no Aye. I didn't Fault in Our Stars I don't think I've seen it the Hate You Give, that was a kind of newish, newer movie. I've not seen that. What Maisie Knew, never heard of that. Nope. Uh, Lion with Dev Patel. That's good, but I never cried. I never saw that one. Uh, Coco, the Pixar movie. I didn't really like Coco, to be fair. No. Marley no. and Me, I did I did get sad at me, Marley and Me. That was a, that was a good one. And it also says here, yeah, Marley and Me. The year twenty thousand and eighteen. <laughs> just, it was just so ahead of its time. Um, Steel Magnolias, My Girl, Other People, The Way We Were, The Color Purple. Then we get a Stars Born. If Beale Street could talk, uh, I didn't cry. It was it was kind of like going for a sad vibe, but I didn't cry. Uh, Selena, Angel of Nanjing, Sophie's Choice, the ultimate one apparently. Yeah. No, never did it that I haven't seen it. That, will, that's, all, that's all of those. I will <laughs> say there was another one that I just remembered being... Uh, because it was such a throwback, and I can't believe I'm saying a positive thing about this movie. And I think I've spoken about this before, but it's in The Last Jedi, when mm. R2-D2 plays the hologram of Princess Leia saying, uh, help me Obi-Wan Kenobi, and I was like, oh no. No, you're, su- you're such a weirdo for Star Wars, man. Like, <laughs> and, uh, and that I just remember hating the film so much. But then that, because Luke does the kind of almost kind of rolls his eyes and, and says, "Right, let's go," sort of thing. And that's the 
that's the big pick me up moment. But when that came on, I just I just wasn't expecting it whatsoever because of how much <laughs> does they hate legacy characters and um, the the intro to up. Nah, nah, didn't get uh, me. Twelve years a slave. No, I mean tremendous film, but I never I never cried at yeah, it. Yeah, I don't think I cried at it either. Uh, you liked the theory of everything, didn't you? With that one, yeah. Didn't cry at that either. No, I've seen a lot of PS I Love You, which aye, the time traveler's wife. No, I do shed an excited tear in the jewel of the fates and Revenge of the Sith, though. Oh, like, I mean that is that's a that's a quirker <laughs> of a of a tune. Because uh, um and and then um, when Padme's like you're you're going down a path I can't follow, and I'm like, oh no. Don't do it, Anakin. This is your time to turn so, back. She's fucking not, pregnant, not, for God's sake. Not the bit where she's like, Anakin, you're breaking my heart. <laughs> and then it turns in big wooden, wooden actor, Hayden Christensen. Liar! <laughs> <laughs> no, you gotta love some of it. Like, some of the delivery he does, it's it's almost like it's just it's just entered cult phenomenon status where it's just it's just it's so bad that it's good especially when you're like talking like, about sand and shit like yeah. that <laughs> i do i enjoy him as darth vader and Anakin skywalker to be fair but him has seen just when 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 obi-wan kenobi finally beat some chops off his arms and legs and the whole you were the chosen one monologue and um, ian mcgregor's just oh the emotion that man was you know portraying are, are making me feel and just everything you could see in his eyes he believed every word he was saying and it was just mm. a, it was the end for him and oh that, that kind of got I, depending on what mood I'm in that'll get me as well mm. I'm just seeing more and more PS I love you get all that you don't want to cry for sad stuff you want to cry because you're so excited your body can't contain it that's, so it has to come out in tear form yeah mm-hmm. I'm gonna uh, if you want to then jump over uh, or do you have any last things to say about like movies that made you cry Nah, I don't think so. Do you want to move over to what you've been watching then? I'm going to be looking up one last uh, list to see if I can find cool. the, the right kind of cryable movies. Uh, over the past wee while, I did, I've been trying to watch the Oscar movies. So I watched Ma Rainey's Black Bottom since the last time we were on, I think. Mm. Um, which I loved, absolutely loved. Uh, mm. I watched Judas and the Black Messiah, which again, absolutely loved. None of which I don't think are, are up for best picture. Don't quote me on that, but I know Ma Rainey's Black Bottom certainly, isn't he? Uh, Judas and the Black Messiah is is it? well it it should win it it, it was a BAFTA it wasn't up for excuse me I don't think I don't think it was up for a BAFTA Um, I remember being fuming that it wasn't up for something and (laughs) I I rewatched Inglorious Bastards because it is the best opening sequence of all time in my opinion I love the whole the milk farm scene where he's interrogating Mm. um uh I watched a film called La Comme Lucienne. I think that's how you pronounce it. It's a French movie. It's about uh, German occupied France during the Second mm-hmm. World War. About this guy, this French teenager who goes and works for the German police um, and just is basically an asshole to all the French people about. And there's like, uh, uh, best, it's just a story of him being a wee asshole, then he finally gets caught. He is, mm-hmm. he's, he's an unlikable wee bastard because obviously he's, he's working for. German Nazi police in, in occupied France, them grass and noise mates. Then I started <laughs> The Crown. Uh, the television show? Aye, just in, in the back of the, the passing of HRH, Duke of Edinburgh. 
I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch the crown. R.I.P. Big man. I uh, so <laughs> I, I think I've watched five episodes and I'm, I'm really enjoying it. To be fair, people seem to like it. It's just not really my, my jam. I didn't um, think it was my jam, but it's more, it's more, it's still very clearly, aesthetically a Netflix TV show. I think they've mm. got a very, very clear style and look, but it. It's not too distracting for me. And then I watched mm-hmm. Endgame last night and fucking greeting everyone. So, <laughs> yeah. So I've been doing this week. Um, Let's see. What did, what did I watch? I finally, finally got to watch Palm Springs, uh, which is the, the time-looping rom-com on Amazon Prime with Andy Samberg. And, oh, I forgot her name. I'm going to need to look it up because it's going to annoy me. But the, the mother from How I Met Your Mother. Oh, you know, is she in it? I knew nothing about this film. You, well, you, I think you would maybe like it. It's quite fun. Um, Kristen Milioti. You know how good I am with pronunciations. It's amazing. But anyway, uh, it's just about as you would expect if you watch the trailers. It's funny. It's brief. It's full of likable performances. And time loops, baby. Love me some time loops. Um, but yeah, unexpected... Uh, Actually, I'm not even going to say, but there's someone in it that's actually in most of it, or, well, in a bit of it, at least, uh, that I didn't expect to see, and I quite liked it. And yeah, it's just it's just a fun fun premise, and it doesn't overstate its welcome. It's only like 83 minutes or something like that, when you take out the credits. Uh, I, uh, Amelia has been watching Line of Duty, so I've been like kind of dropping in the odd episode, and it's just hilariously hammy but like not in a good not in a kind of way that I would ever sit and watch it properly but there was a point where some review happened and a guy spun round in his chair and it zoomed up in his face at the same time and then everyone just keeps saying bent bastards like all the time and I don't, I don't really know what's happening but uh, uh, talking about corrupt cops but I've like literally they just call dirty cops bent all the time and I've never before that whole bent coppers meme was going about like a few weeks ago, I'd never heard that anyone refer to a dirty or corrupt cop as bent. Oh, but, really? No, nah, and then all of a sudden, this show—that's all it says. Every second word. Um, I the the last thing I watched is I done my first, the first of my Oscar watch, uh, list. Uh, Sound of Metal, which was fantastic. I think it lulls a little in the latter third. Yeah, like it kind of slows down at points, but it's just the performances are insanely good. Riz Ahmed and Olivia Cook in particular, but I think I don't want. Oh, here's another pronunciation. Jeez, I need the phonetics written out in my notes. But Paul <laughs> Re- Reese or Reese, or I, I don't fucking know. But anyway, uh, and that was also a movie that made me cry. Brought it full circle. It was very, very, very good. Um, honestly. Right now, obviously, it's my first of the Oscar films to watch, but, like, Riz Ahmed is my, like, one that I want to see right now because I've always liked the guy, and this is, honestly, it's fantastic. And the way that they, they played off, so, like, the whole premise is, like, a drummer going deaf, and just the way that they played it off when, like, eventually, like, he does go deaf, he didn't... It felt so authentic to me, the way that it was going about, and then it, I think... It, I think in the middle section, it's a little like, kind of goes the way you're expecting it to, but it's the 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 how it sets it up in its first act and then how it resolves it in like the last maybe half hour. I just really 
really really enjoyed and and their performances were just incredible and it made me cry twice actually <laughs> so double whammy right there so i i really enjoyed that i'm not sure how much you like it but it's got some really good like sound design his performance is just is fantastic so he's my my favorites at this moment but obviously he's the only one i've seen so, yeah so i can't really talk too much um the only other sad movie scene that i saw there was the death of cedric diggory what from harry potter fuck off <laughs> uh, That's not you sad. shall not pass did you did, did you agree to that lord of the rings nah. nah nah i don't know if i did to be honest um the hotel hallway fight and inception nah i know it was you fredo and nah. the godfather part two uh i just i've just went on to like uh like epic moment movie moments instead like try to find those but i'm done with the search it's done with so <laughs> um yeah if you made it this far congratulations uh for one and secondly since you're here go give us a follow on twitter at the film aspect for polls updates and tweets whenever a new episode goes live Next week, we're talking about Scorsese in the 80s, the hotly anticipated follow-up to our Scorsese in the 70s episode. Who'd have thunk it? Uh, I'm kind of dreading the following week of Scorsese watching, but I'm, I'm looking forward to the episode itself. But as usual, I've left these <laughs> watches <laughs> super late. Even though we delayed it to avoid this exact situation, I've now got like fucking five Scorsese movies and like eight more oscar movies to watch in the next week or so so it's it's gonna be great uh we will also be recasting uh the deadly viper assassin squad that's what they call it from yeah Kill bill we'll be recasting them this coming tuesday for the recasting couch and uh i if you're looking for any other episodes to listen to we done a newscast on tuesday there talking about some roundup of things that was actually something i wanted to talk to you about there was two trailers that came out immediately almost immediately after we done the newscast as per usual Army of the Dead, did you see that? I didn't, no. no. Are you interested in a Zack Snyder zombie movie with Dave Bautista? No. It no. looks pretty... I think it looks pretty good. I'm I'm pretty buzzing for that. And then I'll, we got... That's one of the ones I'll wait. I'll, I'll wait until the Snyder hype's died down. Because I'm just sick of hearing the guy's name right now and I'll probably just watch <laughs> it with it. And you know, no, no, it's not even his fault. It's, it's the fandom behind him. I'm just sick of hearing... And seeing the name Zack Snyder. Yeah, I think as well, like, I, I keep seeing, I'm just, I'm so sick of hearing about, like, extended editions now. Because even there, they said, no, you, there'll be no Snyder cut of this, of uh, My Army of the Dead. You'll not need to watch some bastardised version of my work. And I was just like, do, is this now going to be what this guy is asked every time he makes a movie? Like, where's the director's cut? You know what yeah. I mean? Um... Secondly, we had another big trailer for Fast and Furious 9. Did you see that? I did. I did watch that one. Did you? It looks fucking horrendous. Oh! It looks (laughs) looks bad. I agree with you entirely, but also that's exactly why I'm excited for it. Because I think it does look terrible, but that... I think that's it needs to hit that right spot for me to enjoy it. And I think eight and seven kinda missed the mark a little in terms of being that perfect sweet spot for stupid action. But um I'm really actually saw <laughs> I saw a, a, a post the other day on Twitter where it was like, who would win in this fight? Um 
and it was Thanos or Dominic Toretto, and then someone who commented, Dominic literally stamped his foot once and collapsed an entire building. <laughs> <laughs> and Thanos died twice in his own movie. <laughs> so, aye, but, um, aye, there's, uh, there's a, there was another scene of that, did you not? He's inside mm-hmm. a falling building or something in this trailer, and then he's oh, going to get something just, walks. It's the um, point. Honestly, I was I was waiting for it, but there was a shot where you know, like he jumps down, and he's battering folk, and then they all jump onto him, right? And I was honestly expecting like a <laughs> like, and then all the guys go flying. But it's yeah, he's like he's falling down, but there's like just a fucking building falling on with him. Yeah. And watch the guy come out looking slick as ever with his baby old baby old slathered teeth. There's but, um, two two scenes of it. I think it's going. It's too. It's too over the top to be enjoyable for me because it was that scene. Well, that big tank thing's rolling off the side of a cliff, and then Dom jumps off of it and just land and lands on his, <laughs> his shoulder on the pavement. This thing's gone, I don't know how many miles in there. And then the injected, I feel that there's going to be far too many because Tyrese is the comedic effect. Let's face uh-huh. it, that's what he's there for. But uh-huh. I just feel like they're going to go too hard and everybody try to be funny because the whole there was a, a clip of, um, I think it's Bobby, her name is, and she's like, Oh, I can't drive. And then there's her trying to drive a truck, and I'm like, I'm not here for this shite, shoehorned in humor. <laughs> you know, the thing is though, if you look at if you look at the box office for this franchise, the stupider it's got, the more successful it's got. So I think this, I think this could be its like biggest movie. I, nah, I, I'm not gonna lie. Nah. I think this could. Well, oh no. Well, nah, not now actually. Eight, eight, now eight wasn't of, like, as successful as seven. Eight wasn't as successful. It wasn't seven, as successful as seven, but seven had the whole like Paul Walker thing yeah. kind of going for it. But like this is, you're bringing back a wee bit of Jordana Brewster. You've uh, uh you've got John Cena. I like John Cena. I'd go. I'd like. I'm. I'm watching that. My voice fucking cracking there for John Cena. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to see it. I like him as a villain. I like the idea of him as a villain because I like Vin Diesel does not sell these movies at all to me. Like he's one of the few action stars that he's like star of the fucking movie, and I'm like I'd rather not see him. Like I don't care. Obviously they've completely spoiled the whole hand thing. Yeah, like that's just that is annoying. And then I think I saw there was the guy for Tokyo Drift was in one of the shots. The little hillbilly guy. I, I maybe know, maybe he's not a hillbilly, but like. <laughs> I'd say hillbilly. It's probably <laughs> just like Texan accent or whatever it was, if I remember right. Um, but I don't yeah. recall seeing him. Nah, I'm not. I'm not. I mean, I'm. I'm gonna go and see it. We've uh, me and a few mates have made plans. That's the one we're gonna go see when cinemas reopen. That's a good one. For, it's I think a good we're gonna one I- IMAX it up if we can. Oof. Because Aye. we we've we've said that we're gonna watch one to eight, um, back to back before we go and see nine. <sighs> Because we watched, we watched They're one to seven. They're not even short movies. I know, we, we did like... watch one to seven a few years ago uh, over the course of a weekend where we had uh, tuna sandwiches with no crust and, and you know, just for Paul. <laughs> I don't understand that. It's what? Like a... In the first movie, he has tuna sandwiches, no crust. Mate, <laughs> I thought you were a Fast and Furious fan. I'm not. I literally have never <laughs> said that I was. Are you fucking going about it enough? But I know, I think the new one's going to be shite. And I don't think John Cena's going to be able to save it. Because they don't have The Rock and they don't have Jason Statham. And those were the two kind of most popular characters now that uh, now that Paul Walker's the way, now that Brian's did. Mm. Oh well. 
Aye, so that was a little uh, the the little epilogue of this. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, thanks everyone for watching. As I was saying, uh, Kill Bill recast on Tuesday. Scorsese in the eighties next week. So we'll see you then, guys. Bye. Bye.